This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. But some things that you and I can do, and we've been going over this the last few times that we've met, is just like anything that we're going to be good at, if we execute our fundamentals, then it's going to set us up to experience what God has promised us. And we've talked about, okay, whenever I know that I'm thankful, then I'm confident that I'm walking in the will of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says, whenever we are thankful in every situation, every circumstance, he says, this is the will of God. Say, this is the will of God. So if I'm thankful, then I can be confident just today. Let's just take it one day at a time. Just today, I'm walking in the will of God. Now, we're not thanking God for the cancer. We're not thanking God for sickness and disease. We're not thanking God for destruction. We're thanking God that in the midst of a, a curse-ridden world, that there's a way out, that we can overcome, that we are more than conquerors. We're thanking Him for the, the power of the name of Jesus. We're thanking Him for the power of the blood. We're thanking Him for His Word. So when I'm thankful for all the good things that God has given us, then I'm in the will of God. Another thing that lets us know, okay, just today that I'm in the will of God, I can be confident that if my joy level is up, that I'm in the will of God. Because James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, whenever we fall into various trials and temptations, tribulation, he says, count it all joy. We know Nehemiah eight ten says, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and the Lord is the strength of our lives. So if my joy level is up, then my strength level is up. And if my strength level is up, then I have the power to overcome anything that life throws my way. You and I are not designed by God to be under. We are designed to be over. We are designed to be more than conquerors, overcomers in Christ Jesus. But our joy is a very key factor in that. Romans 15 verse 13 says, there's joy and peace in believing. So when I'm truly believing God's Word, then there's going to be joy. There's going to be peace. There's going to be life. It says the God of hope, which that word hope doesn't mean wish. It means a confident expectation. The God that is full of confident expectation fills me. In the Amplified, it says to the full till it overflows whenever I'm believing. So whenever I'm believing... I'm in the will of God. James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25, it says, whenever I receive the engrafted word of God and I welcome it and I'm applying it in my life and I'm blessed in whatever I'm doing and I can be confident that I'm in the will of God. So when I'm thankful, I'm in the will of God. When I'm in joy, I'm in the will of God. When I'm doing the word of God, I'm in the will of God. These are some things that we can do right now today to know that I'm walking confidently in the will of God, which is going to set me up to have the dream, to have the vision, to hear the specific direction for my life, what I'm called and created to do. But a lot of times we want to just get the specific will and we want to bypass the small things. And it's what I do today that sets me up for the, to, to walk in the powerful things of God tomorrow. Today matters. What I do today matters. Say it matters. So if I'm thankful, if I'm joyful, if I'm being a doer of the Word of God, if I'm, if I'm under authority, if I'm in, I mean, we could go on and on. If I'm submissive to the things of God, then I know that I'm in the will of God. I can be confident. And, and, and last time we talked about, okay, how does the Holy Spirit lead us 
in knowing that we're confidently walking in the will of God. And we talked about how the Holy Spirit, he, he bears witness with our spirit. Just the same knowing that you have that you're saved is going to be the same knowing that he's going to lead us. He's going to give us that inward witness to guide and direct us. He talks to us by the still small voice. He talks to us by the authoritative voice that you know that you know that you know. Nobody else heard what you heard, but it was so strong and so clear and so loud that you knew that it was God speaking to you. And then we talked about the importance of praying in other tongues and, and being filled with the Spirit and how when we pray in the Spirit, we're praying the perfect will of God. When we pray in the Spirit, there's no doubt, there's no fear, there's no unbelief. It says when we don't know how to pray or what to pray, when we pray in other tongues, the Spirit of God intercedes. He helps us with our infirmities. The word infirmity means any type of weakness. It's a weakness when we don't know what to pray for, right? He says, so you can pray in other tongues and the Holy Spirit intercedes on behalf of the saints, the perfect will of God. I want to pray the perfect plan of God, don't you? And it says when we pray in other tongues, we're praying wisdom, we're praying truths, we're praying the plan of God. It builds us up, it strengthens us, it, 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 we rise like an edifice higher and higher. So there's benefits when we're praying in the Spirit to know the plan and the will of God. And tonight, let, let's go further in how do, how do we walk confidently in the will of God. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is on your notes there. In the Amplified, it says, For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew that we may do those good works, say good works, which God predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. So God has a good plan for our life, already designed, already planned out, but it's up to us to walk in it, not up to God. He's given us His Spirit, He's given us His Word, He's given us His grace, and it's our choice of whether we walk in His good plan or not. And part of walking in the will of God is living a life that's surrendered to God. And this is where we've got to be real with ourselves. Am I truly surrendered on the inside? to the point that I will go wherever God wants me to go. I will do whatever God wants me to do. I will stay wherever God wants me to stay. God, not my will, but your will be done. Remember in Matthew 26 when Jesus prayed that prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? He was sweating drops of blood and he kept saying, Lord, if we can do this any other way, but not my will be done, your will be done, not my will be done, your will be done. Now, the only time that we pray that prayer is when we don't know the specific will of God. Anytime we see God's word, we see God's will. So we don't pray if it be your will whenever it comes to healing, because in his word, he tells us it is his will that we're healed. So we don't pray if it be thy will. We don't pray if it be thy will, Lord bless me, because in his word, he tells us everything we put our hand to will prosper and succeed. So we know that God's word reveals God's will. So the only time we pray, Lord, if it be your will, is when we don't have scripture and verse concerning his will. Are you with me? So, uh, you, you know, I, I, I've shared this with some of you. 
And this is a prayer that you're going to pray throughout your life. This is something that we want to live from this place, that, Lord, I'm, help me be willing. Willingness is a big thing to walking in the plan and the will of God. How willing are you? Because a lot of times people are willing to do what God wants them to do as long as we're okay with it. <laughs> Lord, I'll do what you want me to do as long as it's not too hard. God, I'll do what you want me to do as long as it doesn't make me feel uncomfortable. God, I'll do what you want me to do as long as it's uh, not uh, Monday night at 6.30. Am I really willing? Am I really willing? You know, uh, uh, this prayer became real to me, you know, years ago when I was, I'd just given my life to the Lord. I guess it'd been about two years I'd been going after God and I'd come out of the the bad environment and everything. And I was at the the team roping in Pecos, Texas, and all the guys come up to me and asked, hey, we have church for us in the morning because they had seen my life change in a couple of years. You know, I'd kind of grown past the deal. They're all waiting for me to mess up and fall and go back to the way I used to be, but they'd seen the growth and change. And and he said, would well, you do church next morning? And I said, sure, I'll do church. But then I got to thinking in my mind, you know, and I listened to what the enemy was saying. I knew they were tweaking and they were still whacked out whenever they asked me to do church. And so I didn't show up the next morning. But at the rope in that day, every one of them came to me and said, Trey, where were you? They showed up for church and I didn't show up for church. And I can still see it today. I'm at Pecos, Texas. It's a real big parking lot. And I had a single cab Dodge truck with a homemade one horse in line and a horse that came from Mexico. That was his name was Mexico. And I just put the truck in neutral. And I told the Lord, it just crushed me on the inside that I had a chance to share with those guys what God had done in my life. And they'd seen the reality. And I told him, if you ever give me a chance to share your word again, I'll never tell you no. And that was 24 years ago. And I've been preaching ever since. But see, I learned the reality of that prayer that was, God, not my will, but your will be done. And two weeks later, I was at the college rodeo in Big Springs, Texas. And I went up there to see who was doing church because before I was saved, I would sneak behind the stands. But now that I was saved, I was so hungry for the things of God. I didn't care if it was Catholic or Presbyterian, Baptist, Pentecostal. If it was God, I was just hungry for the things of God. And I went up and I asked them, I said, "Uh, who's doing church? And they said, Trey, nobody's doing church. Would you do it? And I said, no, I won't do it. (laughs) And then I remembered what I told the Lord a couple of weeks earlier, that, Lord, if you ever give me a chance... I won't tell you no. And I said, yes, I'll do it. And that, that, uh, there was hundreds of kids that showed up at the this church service that day. And I don't even remember how many of them gave their life to the Lord. But that just was, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And, I, you know, it's the same prayer when I went from winning the rookie of the year to laying down my roping and getting, you know, sewing and getting rid of trucks and trailers and horses. Not my will, but your will be done. And whenever I was pastoring for almost nine years of going back to traveling and ministering, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I was fine. A lot of times we're fine where we're at when the Lord wants to take us somewhere else. See, that day in the parking lot in Pecos, Texas, I just saw my friends, but God saw the world that I'm called to reach. But we never get there if we're not willing, say willing. See, a lot of times we want to settle for good when God wants us to walk in His perfect will. See, it's a decision to walk in His perfect will. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, say prove, 
what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We say we want the perfect will of God, and that's the best plan. God's will and His plan is so much better than anything we could come up with, but it's a choice to go from the good, acceptable, into the perfect will of God. There's going to there's gonna be some, some willingness. There's going to be some, some exchange for what I want to do for what God wants to do. But what I've, I've learned, and, and I'm sure you've learned too, is that when I do what God wants to do, it's always so much better than what I want to do. Because he's that good. He is that good of a father. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, and say it, it's a choice. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and spacious and broad is the way that leads away to destruction. And many are those who are entering through it, but the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure, and the way is straightened and compressed that leads away to life. And few are those who find it. So when you and I choose to live in the perfect will of God, we choose to walk in the will of God, there's going to be pressure. And always remember, it's the pressure of the process that's going to separate the committed from the uncommitted. Because the enemy doesn't want you and I to walk in the will of God. He doesn't want you confident in hearing the voice of God. He doesn't want you making a difference. He doesn't want you being a light shining in darkness. He doesn't want you to increase. He doesn't want you to walk in divine health and healing. The pressure of the process, he comes to steal the word. Remember Mark chapter 4, verses 16, 17? It says that when we hear the word of God and we receive it and we welcome it and we're excited and we're pumped about it, but then when trouble comes on account of the word, problems come, on account of the word. Pressure comes on account of the word to steal the word out of your heart. And if you give up the word, we see no manifestation of the promises of God. But when we choose the word, regardless of what it looks like and regardless of how we feel and regardless of how long it takes, we will walk in the manifestation of the will of God for our life. How many of us want to walk in the will of God for our life? Every single one of us. And regardless of what the, the government is doing, regardless of what our country is doing, regardless of, of what the, the, the presidential race is doing, it does not change the will of God. It does not change the character and nature of God. It doesn't change the promises of God. And that's why God's wanting you and I to be confident that we're walking in the will of God. But it takes a life of surrender to confidently walk in the will of God. It takes a willingness. It takes a decision that I'm going to go after God no matter how hard it is, no matter how intense it is. See, it's easy to be like everybody else. Right? It's, it says, wide is the door that leads to destruction. It's easy to think like everybody else. It's easy to talk like everybody else. It's easy. You know, one guy said in West Texas, he said, it's so flat down there, you could watch your dog run away for two weeks. And you think about that. That's so true. I mean, that's the way it is. You can see whenever, whenever the gate is wide and you're doing what everybody else is doing, it's easy to see, okay, if I do this, I'll do this. Okay, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. And it's easy. But when we step out and we walk by faith, you're not going to see what's around the corner. You're not going to see what's over the mountain. You're not going to see what's behind this turn and that turn. That's why it takes faith to please God. He says that's why the gate is narrow. There's pressure there because you're not necessarily going to see all the, all the steps that it's going to take, but he wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to be confident in the will of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. 
Now, in order for us to walk in the will of God, He wants us to remove hindrances from our life. He wants us to remove any hindrances from our life. And I'm just going to read this, then I'm going I'm to go back up a few pages. But it says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and lay aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, cleverly clings to and entangles us. Let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith. Looking away from all that will distract. So he's saying, okay, in order to walk in the will of God confidently, we've got to be willing to let go. We've got to be willing to strip off. Now, we know the word lay aside, the word strip off in the Greek is just like if we're outside working and our clothes are stinky and sweaty and we're going to take off the old clothes and we're going to set them aside and we're going to get bathed and we're going to put on some new clothes. He says, so there's going to come distractions in our life to try to deter us from being everything that God has called and created us to be. And he says, look away from the things that distract and look unto Jesus, the author and developer of our faith, who is Jesus. Now, whenever we go into a, a, a new stage, a new territory, a new business deal, uh, you know, we experience this. Um, when going on TV, going into new... T any time you go to a new level... You, you're going to have to take that territory by faith. Realize Satan is not just going to lay down and let you prosper to the degree God wants you to prosper. Satan is not going to lay down and let you reach the world. Satan is not going to lay down and there be no problems and tiptoe through the tulips and ha, 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 everything's just fine and dandy. No, we have to take our territory by faith. Say by faith. And so the, the spiritual walking in the will of God has to be one in prayer before it's one out here in the natural. It has to be one privately before you walk in it publicly. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, wickedness in heavenly places, uh, spiritual wholesome in heavenly places. So what's he saying? That, okay, we're not fighting a fight against people. We're fighting a fight against wickedness in heavenly places, principalities, rulers of the darkness. When he's referring to these in Ephesians 6, 12, he's, he's talking about there's order, there's rank in the kingdom of darkness. And there's just, there's order and rank in the kingdom of God. And in order for us to walk in our dominion and authority, we have to know who we are in Christ Jesus and the will of God. We have to take it by force. We have to take it by faith. Matthew chapter 11, verse 12 says, the violent take it by force. In the Amplified, it says, with energetic application, they take what is theirs, the heavenly prize, the heavenly kingdom, like a precious prize. They, they go after it with force. You're, the will of God for your life, there's going to be some tenacity that's going to have to come up out of you. There's going to have to be some courage that comes up out of you. There's going to have to be, you're going to have to strengthen the backbone a little bit. You can't be a, a weenie and walk in victory in the things of God. You can't be some panty waist and walk in the things of God. 
It just won't happen. You will get your tail handed to you. You gotta have some focus. You gotta have some concentration. You gotta have, you gotta have a, a, a willingness to align with the power of God that no matter what hell comes against you on earth, you see through it to the victory that you're given by Almighty God. So when we take new territory, you go into a new place, it's going to take faith. It's going to have to be won by prayer. It's going to have to be done by you and I using what Jesus died to give us. We're going to have to remind the devil that he is a defeated foe. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, it says, He gave us the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee bows, every tongue confesses. It is the name that has power in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. He says, now you go in my name. You go. We got to do this privately before we see it publicly. That keeps coming up in my heart. We've got to get a hold of who we are privately before we ever experience it publicly. He wants us to take his name. He wants us to take our dominion and authority that he gave us. He said, I've given you power and authority to trample over snakes, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you and hurt you. Are you using your authority as a child of God? Are you declaring the name of Jesus over what is yours? Devil, you take your hands off of my money. Satan, you take your hands off my physical body. Satan, you take your hands off of my wife, off of my kids, off of my calling, off of my assignment, off of my resources, off of the clients, off of the things that I'm called to, you've got to take dominion and authority before you ever step into it. And once you step into it, then you've got to stay in your place of dominion and authority. And sometimes that's a, a daily reminder of yourself. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Talk yourself, remind yourself of who you are in Christ Jesus. To walk in the will of God, we've got to walk in our dominion and authority. Nowhere in the New Testament does it say God is going to do anything about the devil. He's already defeated the devil. He says, now you do something about it. You submit your life to God. You resist the devil, and he has to flee. He says, you be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion, seeking someone he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. You take my name. You lay hands on the sick. You cast out devils. You speak with new tongues. He says, you do something about the territory that you're called to. Part of walking in the will of God is taking the territory privately before you experience it publicly. Now in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, okay, we've got to get rid of some hindrances. If I want to be confident in the will of God, what are some hindrances that we need to get rid of? How, how about the hindrance of unforgiveness? Unforgiveness is huge. And sometimes we think that I have a right to hold on to my unforgiveness because you don't understand what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know uh, what they stole from me. And so I'm not going to forgive them. L let's look at a few scriptures here. Say, I'm glad I came tonight. Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Now this is right after verse 22, 23, 24. He says, okay, have the faith of God. 
He says, this is what the faith of God looks like. Whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, does not doubt in their heart, but they believe that they have those things which they say, they will have what the things whichever they say. Verse 24, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, you'll have them. Verse 25, so he's saying, okay, faith speaks, then faith prays. Verse 25, and whenever you stand praying... If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. This isn't in your notes, but I want to read it to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. This is when Jesus is, is explaining to the disciples the structure of prayer in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. He says, okay, to start, connect to the Father, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice what he says, verse 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So Jesus is saying, you pray, I want you to think about this. God, I'm asking you to forgive those people or I, I'm asking you to forgive me the way I forgave those people. He's saying to the degree that I forgive them, that's the way I want you to forgive me. Do we really want God to forgive us to the degree that we have forgiven other people? I know I don't. I want to read it again. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive me the way that I forgive. See, part of walking in the will of God is walking in love. Part of walking in love is forgiving. So if you have a hard time, if we have a hard time forgiving, we're not walking in faith and it hinders the plan and the will of God for our life. Husbands and wives, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 all the way through 9. He talks about the wife submitting to the husband, the husband uh, honoring and loving the wife. And then he says, but if you aren't forgiving one another, you hinder your prayers and you cannot pray effectively. That's God you just don't understand. <laughs> We all said we want to walk in the will of God, right? Forgiveness is a huge thing. Forgiving people is huge. Not, not only forgiving them, but what about forgiving yourself? Okay, so, so I'm going to sow that seed in there and just let it grow. That, okay, if I want to walk in the will of God, I need to forgive other people. But also, if I want to walk in the will of God, I've got to learn to forgive me. Because if I don't forgive me, it hinders my communication with God. Listen to what Paul said, Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul was saying, I have to learn how to forgive me. Because see, it's one thing to receive forgiveness from God. 
1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Let's read that. Go right up above that. It says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 43, verses 25-26. I, even I, am He who blots out our transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that we may be acquitted. This is another one. Psalms 103, verse 12. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so he separates our iniquities from us. So think about this. Paul is saying, okay, this one thing, in order for me to go forward and be everything I'm called and created to be, not only do I need to forgive other people, I've got to receive the forgiveness from God, but I also have to receive forgiveness of myself. Paul had had to, to, to let this sink in. in in Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9. It, it, it tells the story of Paul when he was sitting there as they stoned Stephen. As he went to the, the government, he got letters. Anybody who was after God, he says, we're going to put them in prison. He murdered some of them. But here you have a man that says, this one thing I've had to do, I've had to forget what was behind. I've had to forget the murder. I've had to forget. This is the answer to PTSD right here. I've had to forget the murder that I've seen. I've had to forget the situations that I've seen. This is our answer. No matter what you've done, there's no sin that's too big for God. I'm not, I'm not minimizing any murder. I'm not minimizing any sin. I don't care if it's drugs. I don't care if it's porn. I don't care if it's addiction. I don't care if whatever it is. I don't care if you've been a homosexual. Whatever it is, Paul says, this one thing I've done, I've had to forget. So that lets us know that we have the ability in God to forget where we've come from. That whenever the devil, he's a master at trying to remind us, but when he tries to remind you of your past, you have to get good of reminding him of the power of the blood of Jesus and reminding him of his future. That he is a defeated foe. He is made of nothing. You are forgiven. You are cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That sin has been separated from you as far as the east is from the west. And Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any person is in Christ Jesus, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Paul says, I've settled it on the inside that God looks at me as though I'd never sinned before in my life. God looks at me as though I'd never done anything, shot up anything, snorted anything, drank anything, did anything, stole anything. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone, the new has come. Either we believe God's word or we don't believe God's word. If you choose not to believe God's word, you're going to be running in a cycle that you keep going and visiting your past and you're wondering why can't you get to your future because we haven't learned how to forget what is behind us and we identify with what is behind us instead of what is in front of us. Looking away from all that will distract unto Jesus, the author and developer and the finisher of our faith, who is Jesus. Does it take effort? You better believe it takes effort. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, we are equipped to win. There's not one fight on this planet that we are designed to lose. Not one. Nothing is greater than the God that we served. So walking in the will of God confidently is being good at forgetting, being good at receiving forgiveness, and being good at going forward. 
So the quicker you can receive forgiveness, the quicker you can let it go, the quicker you can go forward. But if you have a hard time of forgiving, you have a hard time of receiving forgiveness, you're going to have a hard time going forward. And it's like you get to a certain point and you're going to go back because you feel like you have a right to hold on to the past. And you don't have a right to hold on to the past if you're wanting to walk in all that God has for you. So in order... For you and I to walk in the will of God, we've got to be good at forgiving. Part of being good at forgiving is tapping into the love of God that's on the inside of us. If you're a born-again child of God, Romans chapter 5, verse 5, says the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And the way that we tap into that love is by with our mouth and with our actions that you've got to start saying with your mouth that the love of God is shed abroad in my heart, that I have God's ability to love the unlovely no matter what they've done to me. And then we have to act, just like we have to act like we're forgiven from God. How, how, how do you act? I want you to think about this. If you truly believe that God has forgiven you of all your past sin, how are you going to approach Him? Why did God say in Isaiah 43, verse 25 and 26, He says, I'm not holding sin against you. Because He's a good dad. He doesn't want there to be anything between Him and us. He doesn't want anything. He doesn't want the plan hindered. He doesn't want the blessing hindered. He doesn't want the wisdom hindered. He doesn't want the power hindered. He says, man, please, please understand that I'm not holding any sin against you. I'm not remembering your sin. He said, put me in remembrance of my word. Remind me that I've already cleansed you by the blood. Remind me your sin is separated as far as the east is from the west. Remind me that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Remind me that you're an overcomer. State your case so you and I can work together and you can live a free life. He's that good that he doesn't want anything to hinder you and I from walking in the will and the plan of God. So how do we confidently walk in the will of God? We, we receive forgiveness from God. We forgive other people. We forgive ourselves. We, we walk in the love of God. And the love of God isn't... Um, I think we've had a, a, a strange perspective of what the love of God looks like. That we look at it as, okay, you stand up for nothing and you are a pushover and you get your tail handed to you. But the love of God is very strong. The love of God is different from the way that the world does things. But the love of God, you, you can look in your own time. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, what was taking place here is a son, the dad, they'd gotten a divorce and everything. The dad was married and the son slept with the stepmom. Happening in the church. Talk, HBO has nothing on the Bible when you really read it. I mean, it. And so Paul says, okay, I, I'm not there, but I'm there in spirit. And so this is what I'm going to do because the guy hasn't repented. See, God doesn't want any person to go to hell. That's not his will. He wants every, he wants every one of us to live a repentant lifestyle, right? We miss it. We ask for forgiveness. We get right back in the game. But this young man thought he had a right because he was free. And because of the grace of God, he could live any way that he wanted to live. And Paul says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hand him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. 
What? How is that the love of God? That God loves us so much that he would rather, in this case, he says, if the guy won't repent, I would rather him spend eternity with me and go through destruction in the flesh than I would for him to spend eternity in hell. Most of the time, people will repent most of the time if they suffer enough harm and hurt in the flesh. See, the love of God doesn't want you and I to destroy ourselves. First, first Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31, 30 in there, when he's talking about communion, he says, he says, the reason a bunch of you are dying prematurely is because you haven't judged yourself. You haven't been real with yourself and you feel like you have a right because, and I'm, this is Johnson paraphrase, in today's society, we feel like we have a right because we're Americans, that we want to bring God down to our level and me and God got our own thing going and, and as long as, as, as I feel good, then me and God are good. Instead of judging myself and forgiving and judging myself and saying, okay, I'm out of line here, I'm getting back in line, and I receive the power of the blood of Jesus, the power that's in the broken body. See, communion is not just to make ourselves feel better. Communion is tapping into the power of God that empowers us to walk as His children on earth for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's times that you might have to take communion every day to tap into the love of God, the grace of God, the healing of God, the provision of God, the wisdom of God. God, I need, I need your power. When I, when I am weak, you said I'm strong in you. Communion is about getting our heart right. Communion isn't about juice and bread. Communion is about coming into alignment with God and drawing upon everything that he's given us to walk in victory, to overcome whatever Satan has come against us with. See, the love of God is tapping into the love and it gives us the ability to love the unlovely. The love of God is in us. Say it's in me. And, and each and every one of us have to, to, we have to run our own race. There's, there's no cookie cutter. Okay, this is the way you handle every situation. Yes, he gives us his word, that is his will, but then he gives us his spirit of how he wants us to handle the situation. There, there was a time... Uh, you know, I, I, I served this, th these men and women for years and years, and, and it was, man, they betrayed me. It was very hard on my heart. So, so what did the love of God do? God, God had me for, for a whole year every month because, remember, in order for me to be forgiven, I've got to forgive, right? In order for me to walk in the will of God... Faith works by love, Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. So what does love do? Love protects your heart. So every month for a whole year, the Lord had me give them a financial offering because where my treasure is, there's my heart also. Until there was no bitterness or unforgiveness in my heart because it would hinder the will of God for my life. There was a, not too long ago, a, you know, a guy came against Heather and I and tried to shut down the ministry, try to get other ministers and stuff to come against us. And so the Lord had us do the same thing. Send an offering because where your treasure is, there's your heart also. There's a, you know, time in the, in the rodeo world, you know, a guy went behind me that I was roping with and he, and he cut me and everything. The Lord had me pay his fees at the next, at the next rodeo we went to. Why? Because the love of, it's not necessarily about that individual. It is about the individual, but it's about what's going on in here. 
What am I willing to do to walk in the will and the plan of God for my life? How willing am I to walk in love? How willing am I to forgive? What am I willing to do? Because people will think you've lost your mind. In all reality, you need to lose your mind and gain His mind. So how do I confidently walk in the will of God? Walk in love. Tap into the love of God that's on the inside of us. And the love of God, I mean, think about, you know, I was thinking the other day, Italian, of just the love of God. When, when, as a parent, we discipline our kids because we love them. Right? Well, I was, I was teaching uh, Hayes, our son, uh, uh, about the mercy of God. And, and, and this was when he was a little bitty. We, he was potty training. And we're Italians, we're breaking in some fresh steers and everything. And he's over there playing in his dump truck. And he knew, now listen, son, if you need to go to the, because I, I want him to, when I say, say what I mean and mean what I say, when I say it, that's what's going to happen. And, and so I was telling him, because he had, you know, potty training and he had, okay, we'd gone past the grace period and everything. I said, don't you, don't you wet your, don't you wet your pants. We're done with that. Okay. Yes, sir. And so he's over there and he's playing with his dump truck and everything. And, and we're in the middle of the arena and I rope this steer and I look up and this steer just looks at him and just takes off running and just mows him over. I mean, gets him down on the ground and is hooking him and everything. And I run over there, get the steer off of him. And he gets up and he had peed all over himself, you know, and, and, and I'm feeling around on him, making sure he's okay and everything. We're walking. I said, man, that, that steer got you. And he looked at me. He said, Daddy, will you show me mercy? I said, yeah, I'm out of peed on myself too, son. <laughs> but, but you see how the love of a father is, is he's, he's not there to hurt us or harm us. He's there to help us. Love helps. Love corrects. Love instructs. Love builds up. Love, love. How do I walk in the will of God? Love, not only loving for people, but how about your love for God? Now, this is... I want you to hear with your heart right here. So if, if remember Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through thir, uh, 40, he says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, so part of loving ourself is forgiving others. Part of loving ourself is receiving forgiveness from God. Part of loving ourself is, is, is knowing who we are. Part of, because we can't give something we don't have, right? Part of loving God is loving other people. But part of loving God is doing what God's Word says. So if I'm, this goes back to, if I'm not doing what I know to do in His Word, then my love walk is out of alignment. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So if God is not first in my life, then my love walk is, is out of whack. And the good thing about God is that if my love walk is out of whack, and I really, I might say it with my lips, God, I love you and you're first in my life, but my life says something different, he's a good dad. Say, Father, I just ask you to forgive me for getting things out of alignment, not putting you first and not doing what I know to do. And I know most people don't like that. 
because then they come up with excuse. You know the definition of an excuse, right? When you look in the Webster's Dictionary, an invalid reason for neglecting your duty. That's the definition of an excuse. And we all have them, kind of like honeys and, and belly buttons, right? We all got them. But, so whenever the Word says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandment. If you love me, you'll do what my Word says. An indicator that I truly love God is I'm in the process of doing what I know to do. And when I don't do it, we come up with an excuse, an invalid reason for neglecting your duty. In other words, ah, well, God, I'm really busy. Ah, God, it's really hard. Ah, yeah, God, I've got to get up that early. Ah, invalid reason for neglecting our duty. Now, we're talking about how do we fulfill the will of God? How, how do we become confident that we're in the will of God? Put God first. Man, I, I want to encourage you. If you haven't been putting God first, just simply put Him first. Put Him first. What does that look like for you? Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what does that look like for me? When I first gave my life to the Lord and I read, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, I thought God meant what He said. I know that's strange, but that's just I thought He meant what He said. And so I just started doing it. Of just a little bit at a time. I started out with a couple of minutes, five minutes, ten minutes. Then the next thing you know, you get so hungry for the things of God, you just, you want to spend time with Him. How do I confidently walk in the will of God? Do His Word. How do I confidently walk in the will of God? Stay thankful. How do I confidently walk in the, the will of God? Position myself where I'm being filled with the Spirit of God. How do I confidently walk in the will of God? Forgive other people. Receive forgiveness myself. Forget the things that are behind. Press toward the things that are ahead. Walk in love. Love God. Love people. And if I'm just doing these things, I'm executing my fundamentals, I'm going to position myself to confidently do what I'm created to do. Amen? I want to pray over you. Father, I just love you so much. And I'm thankful for how you help us. I'm thankful that how merciful and gracious you are. And you're such a good dad. And you're always there for us. And you believe in us. And uh, you do a good job being you. And I'm thankful for you. So thankful for how you, you help us. Father, if there's whatever areas are, are out of alignment, Holy Spirit, I ask you to help us get things into alignment. Help us bring our mind right, our heart right. If there's anybody here that, Father, there's, there's people that we're holding on to that we haven't forgiven, bring it up to us right now. Bring it up in our heart. And, and, and by faith, we choose to forgive that person right now. For Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's a dad. Yeah, I keep hearing that. that <laughs> maybe it's somebody watching. Maybe it's somebody here. But... There's, a, there's something going on in your mouth, like a toothache, a, a root canal, a nerve, that it's attached to unforgiveness. And that if you choose to forgive that person, you're going to walk in healing in your body. So simply just choose to forgive them. Choose to release them. Choose to let them go. Say, I choose to forgive them. Maybe it's a, a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a spouse, maybe an aunt, an uncle, a friend. Holy Spirit, you know exactly who that is, what's holding us back. We don't want to be held back. We forgive them. We release them. We let them go. 
And Father, if there's any person here that they haven't received forgiveness for themselves, that right now we receive the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus and we receive forgiveness for our own life, forgiveness of how we've missed it, forgiveness of, of whatever we've done in the past that we haven't received forgiveness for, we receive it right now. Say, I receive it right now. And Father, I just thank you for helping us love, helping us love people, helping us love ourselves, helping us love the people around us, helping us be doers of your word and not hearers only. And Father, I just thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen.